Hey everyone, before we get started today, I want to let you know the Bible in a Year has brought the Word of God to so many people. As you know, you're part of this community, changing lives and in so many incredible ways. We're humbled to play this role in God's plan and consider it our ongoing mission to keep bringing the Word of God to as many people as possible. So what I'm saying is the end of this year is not going to be the end of Bible in a year. So far, Ascension has been able to add the podcast to YouTube. You might have found it that way. Maybe you're watching right now on YouTube. And also, we're working on translating it into different languages so you could have the Bible in a year in other languages than English. But of course, this takes a significant investment to bring projects like these you know, free of cost to our listening communities. And we want to keep them free of cost to all those people who participate because we want to get the word of God out there. And because of that, we have to rely on generous contributions from listeners like you to help defray these costs um, and to enable us to continually provide new audiences with this life-changing content. So if you would like to help support the Bible in a Year mission, you can go to ascensionpress.com slash support. That's ascensionpress.com slash support. Hi, my name is Father Mike Schmitz, and you're listening to the Bible in a Year podcast, where we encounter God's voice and live life through the lens of Scripture. The Bible in a Year podcast is brought to you by Ascension. Using the Great Adventure Bible Timeline, we'll read all the way from Genesis to Revelation, discovering how the story of salvation unfolds and how we fit into that story today. It is day 324. We are three days into the age of the church, and we're reading Acts of the Apostles, chapter 3, as well as the letter of St. Paul to the Romans, chapters 4 and 5. We're reading also Proverbs 27, verses 1 through 3. As always, the Bible translation I'm reading from is the Revised Standard Version, Second Catholic edition. I'm using the Great Adventure Bible from Ascension. If you want to download your own Bible in a year reading plan, you can visit ascensionpress.com slash Bible in a year. You can also subscribe to this podcast by clicking on subscribe and receiving daily episodes and daily updates. Today is day 324, reading the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 3, letter of St. Paul to the Romans, chapters 4 and 5, as well as Proverbs, chapter 27, the first three verses. The Acts of the Apostles, chapter 3. Peter heals a lame beggar. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of those who entered the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked for alms, and Peter directed his gaze at him, with John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention upon them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but I give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong, and leaping up, he stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and recognized him as the one who sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Peter addresses the people in Solomon's portico. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's, astounded. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we had made him walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith which is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, 
I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ should suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for establishing all that God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet from your brethren as he raised me up. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you, and it shall be that every soul that does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came afterwards also proclaimed these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God gave to your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your posterity shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first, to bless you in turning every one of you from your wickedness. The Letter of St. Paul to the Romans Chapter 4 The Example of the Faith of Abraham What then shall we say about Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now, to one who works, his wages are not reckoned as a gift, but as his due. And to one who does not work, but trusts him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is reckoned as righteousness. So also, David pronounces a blessing upon the man to whom God reckons righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not reckon his sin. Is this blessing pronounced only upon the circumcised or also upon the uncircumcised? We say that faith was reckoned to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it reckoned to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received circumcision as a sign or seal of the righteousness which he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised and who thus have righteousness reckoned to them. And likewise, the father of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, but also follow the example of the faith which our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. God's promise revealed through faith. The promise to Abraham and his descendants that they should inherit the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath. But where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham, for he is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope, that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead because he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. 
But the words, it was reckoned to him, were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be reckoned to us who believe in him that raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was put to death for our trespass and raised for our justification. Chapter 5. Results of Justification Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in our hope of sharing the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. While we were yet helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Why, one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man one will dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we are now justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Not only so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received our reconciliation. Adam and Christ Therefore, as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all men sinned, sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sins were not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, how much more have the grace of God and the free gift in the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many? And the free gift is not like the effect of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brings justification. If, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Then, as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one man's act of righteousness leads to acquittal and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The book of Proverbs, chapter 27, verses 1 through 3. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Let another praise you, and not your own mouth, a stranger, and not your own lips. A stone is heavy, and sand is weighty, but a fool's provocation is heavier than both. Father in heaven, we give you praise and thank you so much. Thank you for the gift of this day. Thank you for the gift of your mercies, which are new every single morning. Thank you for the gift of grace that comes to us as a complete and free gift, not something that we've earned and not something that we deserve, but simply something that we receive because of your goodness, not because of our worth, not because of our goodness, not because of our dignity, but simply because you are good, because you are just, because 
you are the God who is good. You're the Lord of all, and you have purchased us at a price. You've won us to yourself, not only by wresting us from the power of sin and death, but you've won our hearts by revealing your gentle heart, your strong heart, your faithful heart, your relentless heart that loves us and chooses us no matter what. So we thank you. Help us to choose you. Help us to receive your love no matter what. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Speaking of in Jesus' name is incredible. Acts of the Apostles chapter 3. So we had Pentecost and now there's, you know, thousands of people who have been baptized. Now there's all the people who are following the Lord. They're gathering together. We mentioned this before in chapter 2. They held steadfastly to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, breaking the bread, the prayers. That's Acts in 242. So important. But here's Acts chapter 3. Peter and John going up to the temple. Now, why would they go up to the temple? They go up to the temple to pray (laughs) because they're good Jews, right? So we have to remember this. The reason why we spent all of that time reading through the Old Testament is because the Old Testament is still in effect. The New Testament is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, right? So when I say it's still in effect, what I mean is that there was this heresy way back in the day that said that the Old Testament is abolished now, that the scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, completely unnecessary and useless. Um, that's not the case. That that was a heresy that was condemned, essentially. It says, no, the New Testament, or in Christ Jesus, the Old Testament, God's promises of old are fulfilled, not abolished. Jesus even says as much. So here are Peter and John going up to the temple. Yeah, maybe they're going up there because they want the opportunity to be able to preach in the temple precincts, but also because they're going up at the hour of prayer because they saw themselves as Jews, just Judaism fulfilled in Jesus Christ, right? So, okay, here they are. And there's a person, sitting, begging at the gate. I love this because they look at him intently and it says that the man looks back at them expecting that he would, they would give him something. And Peter says, I, we neither have gold nor silver, but what we do have, we give you freely in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I say to you, arise. And the man is able to walk. And I love his response. It is exactly the response you would expect from anybody who was unable to walk, who then all of a sudden is completely restored multiple times it says leaping up he stood and walked into the temple walking and leaping and praising God and then they saw him walking and praising God they saw him leaping and they saw him you know it was exactly that's what you would be doing if you were unable to walk and you were able once again to be fully restored wouldn't you use that gift and this goes back to Acts chapter 2 right yesterday we talked about this how here's the Lord who sends the Holy Spirit upon the apostles to do what not simply to get into a holy huddle but to move out and to use the gift that God has given to them. Here is the beggar who was unable to walk. Now God has given him the gift of being able to walk. What is he doing? He is using the gift that God gave to him. And this is one of the things for every single one of us. God has given all of us various gifts. Those gifts, yes, are meant to be enjoyed, but they're also meant to be used. We glorify the Lord. You know, we glorify the Lord when we give him thanks for the gifts he's given us. I would say we glorify him even further when we use the gifts that he has given us. And so here are Peter and John using the gift of healing. Here is the man who has been given the gift of walking and leaping and dancing and jumping. And he's using that gift. But it's so powerful because, you know, this miracle accompanies what? This miracle accompanies the proclamation of Jesus. You know, one of the things that happens has happened in the last 2000 years of Christianity is there are many mighty works. There are many incredible miracles. But those miracles, they almost all have to accompany the proclamation of Jesus Christ as the Lord, as the Savior, as the one who's conquered death on behalf of the Father and for us. 
And so this is so important. Miracles, yes, are, are because God loves us. Miracles exist. But kind of in some ways you say the function of miracles or the reason why God would continue to do miracles in our world, okay, not only because he loves us, because sometimes the miracle doesn't happen, right? But even more is so that he can be known. So that here is the mighty work that's done. Here is the miracle that's wrought. Here is the healing that happens so that he can then be proclaimed. And that's, that's the key thing because we realize, yes, physical healing is so important, but spiritual healing is even more important because spiritual suffering and spiritual death is even more debilitating. And so again, healing almost always must accompany the proclamation of Jesus Christ as Lord, as it happens today. And it's incredible in chapter three, you're going to find out that it also comes at a price because then tomorrow we're going to see that Peter and John are summoned before the council, the Sanhedrin, and uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes tomorrow. But today we also have the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. As I mentioned before, this is St. Paul's masterwork. This is a proclamation of the gospel like none other. And so it's going to be really difficult to kind of try to sum up what is St. Paul saying in his letter to the Romans. But one of the things he is saying, remember before this, he talked about how um, those who are Gentiles, right? Those who, who didn't know the law, they didn't know the revelation of God. They have no excuse because they should know right from wrong. And the Jews, they do know right from wrong. And also uh, they don't live up to the law. So basically no one lives up to the law. And yet yesterday we heard in chapter three about, yes, but we've all fallen short of the glory of God, but we're justified by his grace as a gift through the, redemption, through the redemption, which is in Christ Jesus, which is incredible. And then in chapters four and five, chapter four, St. Paul points to Abraham, which I love because not only do we hear about Abraham in chapter three of the Acts of the Apostles, but we also hear about Abraham in chapter four of Romans. And the point that Paul is making is, let's go back. Remember in Rome, there were two groups of Christians, Christians who came from Judaism and Christians who did not come from Judaism. There was a span of maybe five years or so where Jews were kicked out of Rome. Now they came back, including Jews who were Christians. They came back and they might have different views on how things should be done, how people should live. So the role of circumcision, it might be one of those roles. And so St. Paul goes back to the circumcision of Abraham and says, okay, was it Abraham's circumcision that made him righteous or was it his faith? And we go back to, remember Genesis, that actually Abraham trusted in the Lord before he was circumcised. And that circumcision was a sign of his trust. But he already had faith in the Lord. He already trusted in the Lord before the circumcision. And so St. Paul's making the point of saying, yep, Abraham at one point was circumcised, but also he had faith before he was circumcised. Therefore, circumcision itself is ultimately, he's gonna say, it doesn't mean anything. Now, obviously it meant something in the old covenant, but in this context, where you have Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians having debates over the role of circumcision, Paul is saying, no, no, this is why it depends on faith, because Abraham had faith even prior to the circumcision. Hopefully that makes some sense. I mean, obviously it gets deeper than that because it's a call for us to have faith as well. But that's kind of the context and the example that St. Paul is using here in chapter four. And then chapter five is just, I mean, there's so many things to say, but one of my, two of my favorites, I'll say this, two of my favorites. At the beginning of chapter five, St. Paul says, okay, therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Imagine this, because St. Paul will later go on to describe how actually there was a time when we were enemies of God. Let's pause on that for a second. There was a time when you and I were enemies of God and so through our sins, we make ourselves enemies again. But St. Paul says, we're justified by faith. And we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That Jesus has transformed 
our, our enmity that we have between us and God into a friendship, into peace. And now through him, we have access to this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in our hope of sharing the glory of God. That is incredible. Those are the first two verses of chapter five. But then beyond that, he says, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. And why? Because we know that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. It's not useless, right? We know that God uses everything. We know that nothing is wasted when given to God. So even our sufferings do something. Our sufferings produce endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint because we have God's love in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. But then, but then, here's my favorite. I I quote this probably once a week, (laughs) probably. While we were yet helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Why, one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man, one will dare even to die. But God, in my translation I use oftentimes is the New American Bible, it says, but God proves his love. In RSV here it says, but God shows his love. But God shows his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And this is just, this is such good news that while we were enemies of God, he died for us. While we were his enemies, Jesus Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. Yes, if we were good, maybe a really good person, if we were already righteous, if we were already his friends, maybe a good person would even find courage to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still his enemies, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more, he goes on to say, how much more that now we're reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? And this is just, oh my gosh, what a gift, incredible gift. And then was on to talk about Adam, the old Adam through whose disobedience, brought death to the world. Here's Jesus, the new Adam, and through his obedience brings life to everyone who belongs to him. You guys, this is literally what they call the great adventure. We spent over 300 days listening to this huge story. And now this is the the apex of the story. This is the, the summary of the story that all of the promises from the Old Testament, all the hope and all the longing, all the suffering, all the ups and downs, all the brokenness of the Old Testament is now fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And we have access to that because of him, because of his unending, relentless love for every single one of us. You and I have access to this grace because while we were enemies of God, he died for us. While we were sinners, while we were broken, while we had nothing to offer, he offered everything to give us the chance to belong to him, to give us a chance to be his, to give us the chance to be his sons and daughters and let God be our father. This is insane. Oh, what a gift. Oh, okay. So anyways, (laughs) I'm gushing. I apologize, but uh, praise the Lord. He loves you so much. Right now, and you need to know this, the Lord God loves you very much. He delights in you. He declares over you. You are mine. Never believe the lie that you're not wanted. Never believe the lie that that your life doesn't matter. You are loved. You're wanted and he will never stop loving you. No matter what. I hope that you believe that. I pray that you believe that. And I am praying for you. (laughs) Please pray for me. Uh, My name is Father Mike. I cannot wait to see you tomorrow. God bless. 